Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your hosts, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. And Phil, welcome back. You look well-rested. Hard to see on the radio, but uh, here we are. We are now set the stage, I guess, for 2018 here in New York State and and elsewhere, of course. Uh, yeah, every day we move closer to Election Day, and that's what we talk about, politics, elections. And, uh, you know, there's just... All kinds of stuff going on on a daily basis. Uh, it's if you had to create a show about politics, you wouldn't be able to fit in all the storylines in a single show. So it's like it's it really is the greatest show on earth right now. I really feel like we say that every single week. We, we talk, do. You know, it's funny. And again, I, I'll say this again. I know I've said this before. When we first envisioned this show, like, well, what what are we going to talk about every week? We're going to have to sort of plan and and figure out what to discuss. And every single week we always end off where, oh, we'll talk about that next week. And we never actually get there because every week there's three dozen new stories that could literally fill twice the time we currently have. It's breathtaking. So I'll, I'll run down for, I mean, at least what I want to talk about. Okay, we got the both parties in New York have had conventions this week and statewide tickets and uh, Governor Cuomo looking for a third term. Uh, always tough for any politician, not just uh, uh, he has primaries. There might be some primaries on the Democratic side. It's kind of unclear. Uh, number two is you have the Republican convention, they have their ticket there, and uh, kind of right now unknown group, uh, or relatively unknown group, uh, although as I actually met them all, quite an impressive bunch, but that doesn't always, impressive doesn't always translate into votes in politics. Uh, we have the Grim Donovan, which is race in Staten Island, a Republican, rare Republican primary in New York City. Uh, that's actually a fascinating race, which took, took a twist. And, uh, you know, we have Roseanne, we have uh, Spygate, or whatever that means, and the whole Rudy Giuliani phenomenon of the kind of the return of Rudy to a regular, uh, him getting, and we'll put it, and then we actually have the momentous departure of one David Lobel from the executive chamber from Governor Cuomo's office to go into private, our friend, our local friend, David Lobo, I think we should just start with that. I was going to say, to me, that's the lead. Um, you know, look, it's very rare. There's, there's not too many, and I, I think most of them probably listen to our show. Right? There's not too many Orthodox from Jews that are in politics. And when I say in yes, politics, it, is rare. it doesn't mean that like they volunteer, or they're who literally make their parnasa, make their career off of being involved in government and government and public service. And so it is a rare thing. And um, uh, I've known David probably since early on in my career when he first started working for Ezra Friedlander. I believe he moved to New York and worked for Ezra and, and sort of uh, worked his way up to cut where, his teeth. I think is the term. Cut his teeth with uh, the great, never have no idea where that term comes from, but the apparently great that's Ezra the, Friedlander. The cut his teeth. Um, who uh, continues to thrive on his own, by the way. And so he really he did an amazing job. I mean, he he worked his way up. He spent I think six years with the governor and. And rightfully so, as someone who has is sort of coming off my own retirement, I can tell you that it's a hard life. It's a hard life, not just because of of you know the salaries and the and the pull, but it's a hard life for your family. It's a hard life because every single night there's another event, there's another issue, there's another problem. Every morning you wake up thinking like, oh, today's going to be an easy day. Today I'm going to have a chance to catch my breath and. Every single day, there's a new problem, whether it's a problem with one of our maestas, whether it's a problem with one of the big organizations, whether it's a problem with any one of the, the dozens of communities all across the state, whether it's up in, in Kiryas Joel to, to right here in Nassau County. 
every single day something is happening, something is is going on. And it takes a very strong-willed person to be able to wake up every single day. And I think he was at the governor's office for six years. A long time. Which in, in government to stay in, in, a, in, in an office, in a, an intense office like the governor's office is, is very, very difficult to do. And I give him a, a tremendous amount of credit. He's going into the private sector. He's going to be doing some some private consulting. Um, I'm very I think excited they call that lobbying. Lobbying, I, you know. Um, I don't think it's a bad word. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, no, but I'm excited for him. He's going to work for uh, for Suri Kassira, who's is probably the, the, the biggest lobbyist in New York City. And I'm excited for him. I'm excited more for his family, for his kids. Um, and for hopefully a, a new lifestyle he's going to get. I'm curious to see who's going to fill those sho- shoes. It's-, it's an interesting time, of course, right? The governor is gearing for his re-election. The Jewish community is a vital part of any election in New York, to say the least. I think it's going to be an important part of a go- the governor of Governor Cuomo's primary uh, coalition. And because you know he does have a challenge for the left and the Jewish community in New York, uh, particularly the Orthodox community, many registered Democrats, many of them are conservative, certainly will not be in favor of Cynthia Nixon, who is the governor's challenger. So David Lobel leaves at an interesting time for Governor Cuomo, wouldn't you say? It's rare. It's very, very rare. Uh, The stories that have been told, and again, uh, the stories that have been told are that the governor does not allow a staff to leave during a campaign season, right? He doesn't want transition on the government side when you're dealing with a campaign those, that, that's sort of what's been out there. And so I think the timing is definitely interesting. Um, again, curious to see who they find to fill his shoes and uh, excited to work with whoever it is. I mean, we, we, as David will soon learn, it doesn't matter when or how you leave government. People are going to continue to call. You're going to continue <laughs> to be a big part of helping uh, most us and, and uh, people across the state. And so uh, while a few things may change, I think he, people aren't going to forget his number, and uh, he should he should get used to it. And I'm sure he's going to enjoy it and continue to do change it your can. change your cell phone, get yourself a new phone. I think that's a good advice, uh, Phil, is going forward. So that I guess sets the stage, Phil, for the Democratic ticket uh, for 2018. You were at the convention. There seemed to have been a lot of energy. Uh, tell us about what ha- what happened last week at the New York State Democratic Convention. You know, the Democratic Convention, uh, you, interestingly enough, whereas you walk into the convention or you leading into the convention, you think there's going to be a lot of drama and a lot of excitement and a lot of, you know, sort of maybe some contested, some contested ballots. There really wasn't. I mean, this was as scripted as scripted can be. I mean, it, it's almost an I... When you go back and you look at the national conventions, right, you have the Democratic versus the Republican convention with the Republican convention with now President Donald Trump and the, the Democratic convention. And at the time, right, there was there was thought that that, you know, there there may be a bit more it may be a bit more chaotic, maybe more enthusiasm. But I think it was sort of lackluster. We kind of it was all very scripted. We kind of just knew exactly what was going to come. And none of those outside factors or sort of those who are contesting sort of really made any waves. Part of it just because and part of it by by design. I mean, interestingly enough, so uh, an old friend of mine, somebody who I went to college with, Councilman Jamani Williams, who is challenging uh, Kathy Hochul for the lieutenant governor position. Again, a position that most New Yorkers never heard of. Most New Yorkers couldn't tell you who the lieutenant governor was. But uh, Jamani Williams was was being introduced, was being nominated, and that is when they decided to serve the pizza. Um not only that, gamesmanship, right? And at that was the exact same time. The governor also decided to do a little press, uh, a press gaggle where he invited the press to ask questions. And so, 
you know, part of it was just, you know, there was a lackluster sort of enthusiasm for the challengers to the incumbents. And also there was a bit of game, games, gamesmanship and sort of really careful planning on, on behalf of uh, the Democratic institution and the Democratic Party. I know a little, a few were disappointed and, and sort of, I think the, the, the big takeaway for me were a few were disappointed that the National Democratic Party uh, came out to support uh, Andrew Cuomo. Much like we saw during, again, going back to the presidential race where we found out after the fact where the Democratic Party was actually helping Hillary Clinton during a primary. And many thought that was unfair. The, the party shouldn't work for any particular candidate. They should offer services and provide assistance to both candidates. Here you had um, the chairman of the Democratic Party, the National Democratic Party, who came out to endorse Andrew Cuomo. And I know a lot of people on the left, a lot of liberals, the Working Families Party, others were very disappointed. The Democratic Party has no business involving itself or engaging in uh, in politics in a primary. They really should wait. I mean, I know that Cynthia Nixon and her supporters were very disappointed. But again, you know, all the votes were, were very lopsided, right? Um, Comptroller Tom DiNapoli absolutely, you know, won, uh, won his spot on the ticket. Governor Cuomo and Kathy Hochul, governor and lieutenant governor. I think the biggest question was what was going to happen in the attorney general's race. Um, Eric Schneiderman, obviously, with what happened with him a few weeks ago, sort of opened the field to who was going to run. And there was probably a dozen names that were thrown into it. And um, we thought that maybe at the convention, there would be some, you know, some people who would be contesting that, that ballot. And while there were a few, uh, Alicia Eve, um, and um, Alicia Eve, and I forget who the, the third one was, uh, Zephyr Teachout, Alicia Eve and Zephyr Teachout, ultimately um, Tish James, who is the, was designated to be on the ballot, won in, in a major landslide at the numbers. And so really no big major surprises, a little bit of controversy sort of after the fact within the Democratic Party, but but no major surprises. And I think the Democrats are set up pretty pretty well. I mean, look, this is going to be a tough year for well, they, they say there's going to be they say there's going to be a primary for the attorney general. I mean, they say but it's a very long it's a very hard uh tall mountain to climb to get on the ballot so in New York State. Just to give wide. our listeners an idea to, to if you're designated at the convention, you don't have to petition. Go get petition. You don't have to go get signatures. You have an automatic space. If you have an automatic space spot to the finals, as they say, right? You, you jump a, f a couple of steps. You get a buy in the first couple rounds. You get a buy. It's exactly right. If you need to petition, it's not just about how hard it is to, to get petitions because, and again, I don't know the exact process, but you have to get a, a lot of signatures in various congressional 15, 000, districts. 15,000, I believe, or something in, like that. In not just in but, one area, correct. but in various districts. I think districts. 500 in congressional districts. It's it's like a crazy It's complicated situation. and it's expensive. Very. Right? And so even if you could do it, it's But Zephyr Teachout did it four years ago. She did, and, but it, it takes away money when you're, when you're trying to get your message out every dollar is going to count and so sure. it's, it's going to take away a lot of money and so I, I'm not convinced most people were shocked actually that Zephyr Teachout was able to get on the ballot four years ago but it shows actually that if you have enough grassroots activists around the state which she seems to have that she'd be able to do it and you wonder if she can do it again uh, but then you look at a more establishment person like Leisha Eve who was a former Cuomo administration official who also has a good story to be attorney general uh, to be attorney general of, the, of uh, New, New York, York State and, you know, maybe she tries the same route, uh, but she's a more establishment person. Maybe the establishment doesn't isn't willing to or, and the progressives aren't willing. But the big question, I have a couple questions for you. Number one is everybody talks about the leftward tilt of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has gone far left. And but we I didn't really see that. I mean, for anything, I saw uh, the governor trying to box out the progressives at every single juncture. And, you know, one of the. Um, you know, one of the things, however, out there is that they didn't 
allow, or they, I don't know, they didn't allow, maybe you can explain it, Mayor de Blasio to come. Now, that could be a personal rivalry, they didn't allow him to speak, but, you know, he kind of styles himself as the progressive, as the Bernie Sanders of the party, if you will, in New York, and they totally shut him out of the convention. Well, many believe that Cynthia Nixon is is in the race is by a proxy, design of, right. of Bill de Blasio, and, and look, you know, that goes back She shares to, the same staff. That's right. It goes back to the question of, was he invited? You know, was he not invited? Did he just decide not to come? You know, I, I can't answer those questions. I, I think the feud between Mayor de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo are, are well documented. It's it's very sad. I know we've talked about it on the show. It's sad for the city of New York, for the state of New York, that the governor and the mayor can't find a way to get along. And so it is sad. And I, I think that I think that the um, the convention was an opportunity for the left. But what you said is exactly right, is that they kind of got boxed out at every step. And, and the governor out is sort of it's a sort of a game of gamesmanship and, and sort of is out game them at, at every step. But look, let's take a look at four years ago, because I think we kind of went into the convention and left the convention saying like, okay, the governor's got this, he's on the ticket, he got designated, you know, sort of the parties behind him um, in full force. And yet Zephyr Teachout made quite the dent. And here's the, here's what I think is so important and what's so interesting, right? Zephyr Teachout did as well as she did with no money and no name recognition, right? Cynthia Nixon, right? Whether you like her, you don't like her, actor turned activist turned politician, she has name recognition, and she's already proven her ability to raise money. And so I, I have no doubt that she'll get on the ballot. She has the endorsement of the Working Families Party. I think she'll get on the ballot, and I think she's going to give the governor a run for his money. I do think the governor is going to win. Look, I'm not, I don't think she'll go all the way, but I think she's definitely going to create some aggravation and, and make the governor, you know, sort of dip, dip deep into his war chest to ensure his victory. And another notable no show, not to read anything on the progressive side, just surprising is the senior senator from the state of New York, uh, Chuck Schumer, does not attend the home party convention. Is, does he not want to take away from the luster, the star power of Cuomo, or does Cuomo not want to lose any star power to Chuck Schumer? Yeah, I think I, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Look, you know, Senator Schumer is obviously sort of has his hands full. He's sort of a national leader. And so to the extent that he was able to, to get to New York to, to be here is, is one thing. But then you're exactly right. Whether it's that he didn't want to kind of steal the show. This is, you know, this is meant to be the governor, sort of the leader of the state party. He's meant to be the lead Democrat. And and maybe on some level, Senator Schumer could overshadow that. Um, and so I think that, you know, I, I do think ultimately Senator Schumer um, will endorse Governor Cuomo. And I think it'll be done in the right time. And so, you know, I don't think there's much to read into that. Um, I don't think there's much to read into that. And I think, you know, you're going to see, you know, sort of wide ranging party, party unity. But I, I also do believe that there's a strong feeling that let's get out of the primary, right? There's, there's no reason to rush this process. Let's get through the primary. And so, again, like I said, it was, you know, not too much excitement, very little excitement um, during the, the Democratic convention. I'm, I'm hoping you could report a little different. I mean, Michael, you know, you any questions about the Republican convention? You were at the Republican convention. I'd, I'd love to hear if, if well, your former, I think your one time colleague, or maybe you didn't overlap. Mark Molinaro is a former assemblyman, uh, now the county executive of Dutchess County in the Hudson Valley was nominated as governor, gave a fantastic speech by all, uh, accounts, uh, that I read in reviews, and I was there. Uh, really excellent. I mean, very humble guy uh, who has, you know, I know for a couple of years. And um, then the intrigue was really on the who was going to be the attorney general and the controller candidates. Uh, interesting, the Republicans picked a Democrat to run for controller, uh, Jonathan Trichter. Uh, I actually, I don't know that much about him, uh, but they 
uh, also picked as attorney general, which was actually a surprise, uh, a surprise pick because he really got into the race probably like three days beforehand. Uh, Keith Wolford, uh, a uh, from Buffalo, a law partner actually of uh, of Mike Bain, the president of the OU at uh, Ropes and Gray, very accomplished guy, a very impressive guy. Had the opportunity to speak to him quite a bit, and uh, he is uh, you know now African American. On the ticket, it was actually interesting. The Republicans had two African American Harvard graduates as the as the candidates for Attorney General. You know, when we say you know the kind of the Republican Party is the party of the angry white men, well, this is not. Uh, this is interesting. You know, when you had that, but uh, Keith Wolford won more than fifty percent of the vote. The other guy, Joe Holland, he dropped out. Uh, that was the biggest intrigue around the Republican convention. I think it was overshadowed by the Democratic convention. I don't know why they were scheduled on the same day. If every, each side says we had the date first. Uh, gamesmanship in politics is totally fair, and and so it happens. Uh, but there. But and the other interesting thing was, of course, uh, Julie Killian being picked for lieutenant governor. Uh, as you said, that's uh, you know everybody overlooks the lieutenant governor. It's not much of a thing. I think the Republicans basically just trying to put a woman on the ticket, and that's they end up with Julie Killian. I like Julie very much uh, politically. It's you know you're kind of drawing from the same area, Hudson Valley, uh, and you know where will kind of Julie Killian fit into the campaign uh, remains to be seen. But I think Mark Molinaro is going to certainly take the fight to the governor. Uh, we'll see with a, you know up against that kind of war chest what he is able to do. But he is certainly, I think, the right guy from a lot of in a lot of ways. He's definitely a contrast to Andrew Cuomo in in so many ways. And and I don't want to sit here and kind of uh, you know get into the nitty gritty with regard to the you know the Andrew Cuomo and his potential vulnerabilities. But uh, he has some, particularly a big trial now looming uh, with regard to corruption upstate involving state money billions or actually I'd say a billion the buffalo billion which was a billion dollars the state made available to buffalo area apparently uh contracts and bribery and people have already pled guilty and some of the main state actors are now going to go on trial so we'll see you know the governor has to get out from under that he's got some issues with regard to the democratic party and i think the republicans are hopeful they can possibly make a dent uh, in that. And look, the Republicans are certainly outnumbered and outgunned right now in New York State, no question about it. Uh, but don't only look at the statewide ticket. You have, of course, the battles for state Senate, and you have congressional races that are also at stake. Many cases, the but Republicans, particularly the congressional Republicans, many who you thought would be very vulnerable, are benefiting from Incredible infighting on the Democratic side. I mean, John Faso has would, would, nine has like nine correct nine potential opponents who are probably all going to be broke by the time June twenty seventh rolls around, which is actually in less than a month. We're going to have the primary. We'll probably segue into that. Uh, Lee Zeldin, there's a primary on the on the Democratic side. Pete King, there's a primary on the Democratic side. It's uh, it's kind of remarkable what's going on uh, in that, and even. Uh, um, uh, Sorry, John Katko has a primary on, which was featured in the New York Times yesterday. But the interesting, most interesting congressional primary that I see right now, Phil, is on the Republican side. A rare oh, Republican side. Brooklyn and Staten Island took a turn yesterday where Mike Grimm, the challenger, ex-convict, just got out of prison, wants to run for well, Congress, unfair. was hoping, was hoping to get the coveted endorsement of President Donald J. Trump, and that endorsement goes instead to the incumbent. Dan Donovan. 
Interestingly enough, if we're going to say ex-convict, we should also say ex-FBI agent, right? We should really give him ex-marine, ex-marine. Well, look really... at the prog- look at the progression. He went from the Marines to the FBI to Congress to prison. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Let that, let that sink in for a moment. Um, I, you know, it's funny because it, Michael Grimm is coming out of prison and sort of running on, running with the same kind of Donald Trump flair. I don't know how to how to how to describe that, encapsulate that into words, but he's running like as a Donald Trump mini Trump. Uh, candidate and so yesterday had to have been a blow I mean you know I haven't talked to Michael in a long time but I have to believe this was a blow to him to his campaign to even his supporters I mean Donald Trump is loved in Staten Island I mean yes he is absolutely uh, loved in Staten Island I mean that's his one of his biggest New York State champions in uh, in, cance- in Councilman Joe Borelli oh, really? is, sort of, is literally his hometown in Staten Island and so that endorsement has to literally mean everything to Dan Donovan. Obviously, I think he was going to win beforehand. The race was tightening at a point the last couple of weeks. The poll numbers have, have gone, have sort of, have, have there's created some distance in those poll numbers, and I'm sure this endorsement now will, will take it over, sort of take, take Dan Donovan over the top and, and get him reelected to Congress. Well, the polling is very difficult because you have a very small universe of primary Republican primary voters. And remember, the people who vote in primaries are not necessarily those that are looking always to the general election and who will be the best candidate. I think there's no question about it that for most most people think that Dan Donovan will be a better general election candidate going up against what could be a formidable Democrat, uh, I think a guy named Max Rose, although there is a primary on that side, but the uh, but he's expected to win. Uh, but it's very hard to run an ex-convict for... Forget about... I understand all the narrative with regard to Mike Grimm, um, but it's very hard to a uh, guy who, who wants, who was in jail, to go ahead and run him in a general election. But in a Republican primary where the expected turnout is probably going to be 10, 15... Maybe, maybe 20,000, although let's settle on about 15,000 voters. That's a really small universe. Very difficult to to know exactly who's going to. And most of those people are hardcore and they love Trump. And they want the most, what they consider to be the most conservative voice out there. Now, the interesting thing, of course, about the Trump tweet that supported Donovan is that they identified Dan as a supporter of the president's tax cuts, the tax bill. But Donovan voted against it because of the SALT deductions and because it left out, because it penalized a lot of people in the district. In fact, the, the tax cuts were not, you know, from what most analysts, analysts say, were pretty bad for New York City. Um, so Dan, Dan opposed that. And, you know, you never know, will the president kind of walk back the tweet and say, <laughs> what's he going to say next? I mean, I mean whoever, whoever, came, whoever wrote that one is, is a little bit, uh, you, you can't leave it out. I had no. Question. Don't go there. I have no doubts that the president wrote that. Oh uh, yeah, on his own. Absolutely okay. Absolutely no doubts that the president. So wrote then, that is one. It, so then he ain't taking it back, and he ain't apologizing. That's for sure. And so going from Michael Grimm, one former elected official, right on to the next one. I mean, Rudy Giuliani. I mean, oh. Rudy Giuliani. I want to just take everything aside. In two thousand and two, two thousand and three, he was a hero, right? America's mayor, undisputed. Democrats, Republicans. He. I mean, look. After nine eleven, he was the pillar of stability. You can't whatever you say about him now, you can't take that away from him because that's right. And by the way, his poll numbers before 9-11 were not great. I mean, he was not the most beloved mayor, but he really did in the aftermath of 9-11. He stepped up and he showed uh, just tremendous. You can't say enough about the leadership and the stability and the strength that that he put out there on behalf of, of New York. And so rightfully so in 2002 and 2003 and 2004 and 2005, probably all the way till he ran for president. What in 2008? He was still considered, you know, this is a 
America's mayor. America's mayor, right? And that was not disputed. He ran for president as anywhere. Only this week on his birthday to get booed at Yankee Stadium. I mean, this is a man who, by the way, at a time now where our mayor and our city council speaker are Boston Red Sox fans, right? Like, goes back to a time where we had a mayor who was a proud Yankee fan who literally was at as many games he could possibly go to who would get cheered after 9-11. I mean, talk about getting cheered at, at a Yankee game only to get booed. You got to give it more context, Phil. It was his birthday. It was his birthday. They announced his birthday and he got booed. Now, so why So why is that? I mean, I, I have to imagine that you know, Rudy has just been on TV nonstop uh, shilling for... Why is she, you know just saying outlandish things he, with regards with regard to the with regard to the Mueller investigation, et cetera? Uh, you know, I have no problem with the lawyer going on TV defending their client, and I think that's very appropriate. Um, I think the manner in which Rudy has done it has been offensive to many. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's no question. A lot of people believe that he's sort of been sent out there as distractor in chief, right? Like his job is just to continue to to create headlines and distract from. Other things that are going on, whether it's with the investigation, whether it's with uh, North Korea or other sort of flubs that are happening out of this administration, Rudy Giuliani is out there sort of sort of distracting and, and creating his own controversy and creating his own news. And it's offensive. I mean, you know, just this morning, I mean, he, he, he called the Mueller investigation like a lynch mob. I mean, there's just. Just this is law and order Rudy. This is the guy who used to talk about that you couldn't even attack the police for anything. And now all of a sudden he's, he's attacking the FBI, he's attacking it, the right. attorney general. I, I tell you, I mean, look, you know, you know how I feel. I think there's no question that mu- many investigations out there are politically motivated. There's politics in everything. And I'm not going to turn around and be the one who says, oh, there's no politics involved. When, when uh, it. it it bothers me all the time when you have Democrats on TV calling for impeachment. Like if stuff, they've come to the conclusion already that the president, the president was elected. You don't like the way he was elected. You don't like what happened. Fine, change it. Go to the ballot box and do it. The way of getting rid of the president through this constant doing it. But at the same time, we should know what happened. And if there are people who were part of the campaign or the people part of the administration, whoever they are who committed crimes, that need they need to be held accountable. I'm not saying I don't think it rises to the level of President Trump. Uh, but at the same time, I think that we can't go ahead and, you know, the, these let's put it this way. When the president attacks Jeff Sessions, he's attacking his own guy. I know he wants to distance himself. Rod Rosenstein is his guy. These are Republicans. Bob Mueller is a Republican. Now, the president didn't appoint him, but the reason that Mueller was appointed to begin with was because of the president. Let's remind everybody how this happens. It happened all as, you know, and now maybe he wants to take it back, but that you don't get a do-over as far as that that's concerned. And uh, attacking the institutions of government as Giuliani has been doing on a daily basis is very troubling, especially no having known Rudy for all these years. So, uh, you know, I think that that there, you know, therein lies uh, a lot of the issues. Now, I personally don't think that I don't think that Ru- Rudy has that the people in Yankee Stadium are looking at it that deeply and with that much nuance. I think the people in Yankee Stadium are generally thinking. Trump's not that popular. Rudy's tied with Trump, and you know we're gonna. And plus, the fact is probably a lot more. You know, the the complexion of your average baseball game in New York City is probably a lot less uh, Caucasian, white than it used to be. 
And uh, you have to you have to feel that uh, you know you go to the stadium now, and the, the the makeup of the fan base has changed. But I think even Trump supporters, right? Even Rudy supporters, right? Yeah, they, they they see him as a caricature. It's, I think yeah, that that's the big problem. That's exactly you know, a little right. bit. He goes on there, and you see him a little bit as a clown, and it's a little bit. Uh, that's exactly it. Even those who took him seriously, who loved him, who appreciated him, who had sort of what we would call a karzatov to him, now look at him kind of as a joke, right? It's kind of like a like a sideshow for right. this president, and it's unfortunate. You know, the funny thing is, I think he's actually been effective in in a lot of ways. I mean, I think he's been an effective advocate for the president. I think he's done it. The problem is when he goes over the top, uh, and and attacks the institutions it's difficult for to stomach a guy who was so institutional to go ahead and now turn around to get to that point and you know look we had there has to be somewhere and i know we talk about this every week there has to be somewhere where we arrive at some objective agreement on what the facts are phil and uh you know it's upsetting that you know how that happens Okay, Phil, you did have one shout-out that you wanted to give for a uh, candidate. Apparently, the Democrats finally, finally, finally figured out who is going to run in the 20th Assembly District. And against uh, our, our, our local person, Missy Miller, uh, the Democrats were desperately searching for a candidate. And who is it? The drum roll, please. No, you know, look, you know, you... Uh, when we had a candidate, we had a, a campaign, I mean... Missy Miller ran the race. She she won the race. I give her a lot of credit. She did a good job. Uh, the Democrats have found Jack Vobis. Uh, Vobis. Jack Vobis to, to run against Missy Miller in the local Democratic election. This is a seat formerly held by, uh, by Todd, Kaminsky. Todd Kaminsky, who's now in, in the state Senate. Look, you know, it's funny. This is a district that can go either way, right? This was a district that was held by uh, by Harvey Wiesenberg for years. For, for One many- would have figured the Democrats would find a well more well-known person in that of the uh, in the bench. But, you know, nobody wants to run for office anymore. I it's, think what's happening... Tough. Well, that, by the way, and that's what you said is exactly right. And I think something we should explore. It used, to be ex- it used to be a coveted position, not just in the Assembly, but to be in elected office, to be a coveted position. Sadly, with what's going on in national politics, it's getting harder and harder to find quality candidates who want to get involved. Anyway, with that... With that, forward. see you next week to here on the Malcolm Signal Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.